Hello, my rebels. Today I give you my thoughts on 9-11, including a speech I gave nine years ago at Ground Zero at a 9-11 remembrance. I was glad to watch that again. And in many ways, I don't know if we're better than we were nine years ago or 19 years ago. I'm worried that we're worse. Uh, before I let you hear that, let me invite you to see it as well. To do that, you just need a membership in Rebel News Plus. It's eight bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year. Just go to rebelnews.com, subscribe, and you get the video version of this podcast. Get a few other goodies too. David Menzies has a show, Sheila Gunn-Reed too. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, it's the anniversary of 9-11. Does anyone even remember it? It's September 11th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I can't believe it's been 19 years since that terrible day. September 11th, 2001. It was such a beautiful morning, so clear and crisp and sunny, and then murder on a horrific scale, and then murder again, and then again and again. A black swan, they called it, something people couldn't imagine before, so it was never contemplated. I mean, there had been airplanes hijacked before, for sure. It was the go-to terrorist move by Muslim extremists, but it was usually as a threat to get some prisoners released, or else they blow up the plane, or get a cash payment. Sometimes the planes were blown up, but using a full passenger plane as a massive weapon itself, well, that was new. Thousands of lives were lost that day, thousands more in the wars to come, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and then ripple wars, so many other places. America's almost completely out of the Middle East now. Has that has much changed? Is Afghanistan free now? Is Iraq a blossoming democracy now? What came of all that blood and treasure spent in those countries, including Canadians in Afghanistan? Iraq is the plaything of Iran. Syria is run by Russia and Iran. Libya is a failed state with open-air slave markets and millions of migrants, including hundreds, maybe thousands of terrorists amongst them, have just simply walked into Europe. Was it all worth it? I don't know. The West had to flatten the terrorist groups attacking us, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, ISIS, other offshoots, Muslim Brotherhood. I'm not sure if a land, war, and occupation was the right prescription. Afghanistan is not like Italy or Greece with histories and traditions and cultures of liberal democracy. Did we think there was some Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or Sir John A. Macdonald just waiting in the wings? And to me, the craziest part is that while we sent so many young men and women over there to die, the theory being it's better to fight the bad guys over there than at home, well, we opened up the borders to mass immigration from those very same terrorist-infested countries. Now, of course, there are peaceful people fleeing from those places. I mentioned already the Christian minority in Iraq that has almost completely fled, but neither Canada nor America, and certainly not Europe, distinguished between the wolves and the lambs. It would be like taking millions of refugees from Germany in 1942. Okay, refugees, fine. Migrants, are you taking Jews and others fleeing the Holocaust where they would be victims, or are you taking Nazis too? Are you taking the wolves or are you taking the lambs? You might recall that I went to Germany a few years ago and I interviewed a Yazidi woman, a refugee from Iraq, who was a rape 
slave to ISIS terrorists. She fled to Germany as a refugee, but so did her ISIS tormentors. In fact, once she was in Germany in an absorption center, she had to flee and go to a nunnery to get away from the terrorists in Germany who had come with her as refugees. This was common. I met another guy on the street, just on the street in Cologne, Germany. A Yazidi refugee, when I asked him a question, he said he didn't want to answer with other men around. They were Muslim. He actually was not. He was Yazidi. He wanted to move away from the Muslim men because if his friends knew he was a Yazidi, they would hurt him in Germany. Give Kurdish Yazidi. So I don't think we built Afghanistan and Iraq into liberal democracies, and I don't think we did a good job of keeping Islamic extremism out of our countries. In fact, in Canada at least, the Muslim population has tripled through immigration since 9-11. But if that were liberal, progressive, democratic Muslims who want to live with the separation of mosque and state, well, that could be a good thing, a good building block for Canada. But we simply didn't and don't distinguish between moderate Muslims and Islamists. We don't even ask. In fact, most immigrants to Canada don't even have an in-person interview. So we didn't lift up the drawbridge. That battle I showed you in Germany, it's here in Canada too. Former rape slaves, refugees to Canada, have encountered they're ISIS rapists on the bus here in Canada. So I don't think we're safer, certainly not from our open borders immigration, neither from the fetishization of Islamophobia, which has turned one religion and one religion only exempt from scrutiny or criticism. When I published the Danish cartoons of Mohammed back in 2006, most media, even the CBC, supported my freedom to do it. Today, most media would not only oppose it, they wouldn't feel the need to debate it, they would just simply call for my arrest. Ironically, it has been Trump who has brought the first twinkle of peace to the Middle East, not through wars and not through pressuring Israel into making ridiculous concessions to terrorist groups who surely have no interest in keeping a peace deal, but making a real peace deal, peace for peace, starting with the most moderate Arab countries, the UAE last month, and now Bahrain just today. Real peace deals, not giving terrorist groups a veto. No wonder the media is so silent on it. It is a Trump success and a repudiation of the peace process of the past 50 years. I see the generals are all out to get Trump, claiming he hates the troops. I think it's pretty clear he doesn't. But the troops and the generals aren't the same thing. It's like police versus police brass. You know, rank and file versus the bosses. The generals love wars. Trump hasn't given them any. First president in decades to do that. Trump's bringing home troops. Maybe that's not good for the arms business. Although Trump has built up the military again. But back to 9-11, I think we've already forgotten its lessons. We've forgotten the day. We've forgotten the price we paid for freedoms. We see that again as we so easily give up our freedom because of a pandemic panic. Giving up freedoms that we wouldn't if some foreign tyrant demanded we do so. But we're happy to give up all freedoms because some domestic politician says it's for our health or for the children or whatever. You know, I was invited to give a speech at Ground Zero nine years ago. I found a video of it. Pamela Geller had invited me. It's a big rally right there, lower Manhattan. 
Here, take a look at this video. I was younger then, obviously. My message still stands. What do you think of this? Thank you, Pamela. Hello. It's an honor to be in New York, standing in solidarity with this city and its resilient and courageous people. I'm a Canadian, so permit me to explain why I'm here. 9-11 was an attack on New York and other American places, but among the murder victims that day were 24 Canadians. But the real target of the terrorists was the culture of freedom that America symbolizes and America's leading role in the world. That culture of freedom is shared and loved by people in every country and is a lighthouse of hope to millions living in the darkness of tyranny. The terrorists wanted to extinguish that light, and they still do. So Canadians stand with you, not merely because we're friends and neighbors, but because when you were attacked for your love of freedom, so were we. We're an independent country, but we thank you and love you for being the world's lighthouse. I observed this morning's official ceremonies at Ground Zero, and in many ways, it was beautiful and appropriate. The fountains at the plaza are visually powerful, and the rebuilding of the towers finally is a sign of hope. Reading the names of the murder victims was touching, and a powerful moment for their families and friends, I'm sure. But it's not enough merely to remember the dead and to grieve. We must remember why these men and women were killed, why it was so profoundly evil that they were, why we cannot let this stand, and what we're going to do about it. The central characteristic of 9-11 was not the loss of life. It was that the loss of life was the result of a human purpose. It was not a tragic accident or a natural disaster, nor was it just a crime. It was a horrendous act of terror motivated by evil ideas. Peaceful fountains and a list of names is not enough for the victims of a global terrorist war against freedom. It belittles their sacrifice merely to note their passing. We must remember why it happened, and remembering why compels us to keep fighting the war in which 9-11 was just one battle. Ten years later, that war is still not won. Our, world is, our work is still not done. The world is not safe enough yet. Al-Qaeda itself may be weakened, but the forces of Islamic terrorism are on the march from Iran to Egypt and in attacks that continue against freedom-loving people from London to Madrid to Bali to Mumbai to Jerusalem. Instead of calling for victory, for, the, for a war for victory, though, today's official memorial aimed for a tone of closure. New York's mayor has said that we should no longer even say the words ground zero because that's in the past. The great heroes of 9-11, the police and firemen, were not allowed to participate today. They are symbols of courage and vigilance and strength, but they were pushed aside. No clergy were permitted either. Perhaps they talked too much about good and evil. The dead must be buried and we must grieve, and that has happened. But erasing from the public narrative any trace of the war on terror would be like holding a memorial at Pearl Harbor just one year later in December of 1942 and remembering the dead and their families but not talking about the infamous 
attack, not calling for courage in the fight ahead, and not promising that the dead will be avenged and that freedom and peace will be won on our terms and not naming Imperial Japan. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not here to talk about partisan politics. The instinct to avert one's eyes from evil is a universal human condition. It's not a Republican or a Democratic thing. Ten years of vigilance and war is tiring, but the fight is not done. It is a fight. It can't be compromised. Free people can't split the difference with Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. You can't triangulate this. We've got to fight until we win. And that fight will have costs, and sometimes that cost will be high. The policemen and firemen who rushed into the burning towers knew that. Without a second thought, they were willing to sacrifice to save their fellow Americans. Thank God to this day, millions of Americans continue to fight with marvelous courage and ingenuity to defeat Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and their other terrorist allies either in the armed forces or in security and intelligence services and even in the diplomatic corps. I'm proud to tell you that Canada has been a key ally in that fight, punching above our weight in Afghanistan and being a clear voice against terrorism and its excusers in the United Nations. But there are other ways that we must fight too, not just to honor the memory of those murdered on 9-11, but to protect ourselves and our families and communities and our freedom that's under attack. And the first way for those of us not in uniform to fight back is to fight for control over the language, including the language of 9-11. Today and each anniversary ought to be not a day of service and volunteerism. Those are noble things, but that's not what 9-11 is about. So we must make sure it is a day of proper and accurate memory. And that memory compels us to take action until we win, until 9-11 becomes a day to mark the beginning of our successful counterattack that started on flight United 93 when freedom went reluctantly, as it always does, to war. And in that case, to a victory. We're not done yet. We haven't won yet. The other side knows that, and we ought to as well. Unlike many New Yorkers, I don't know anyone who was killed on 9-11. But just as much as you, I have an obligation to those who were killed not to walk away from the fight for freedom, not to get tired or just numb. I'm not a soldier, and most of you aren't either, but we can fight in the battle of ideas. That's our front line. Let's today promise each other we will not forget why these 3,000 souls were murdered, and we will not rest until their lives and the freedom they died for are avenged. Thank you and God protect America and her allies. I was very sad that day. I remember how hard it was to read that speech without tearing up. I don't think it actually showed, but in my mind I remember that day and I thought I was actually crying a bit in my speech. That's how I remember it in my mind at least. Today I sent out our young reporter Andrew Chapados to the streets of Toronto to ask people do they even know what 9-11 is? We're just asking people if they know what today is. Friday? And any significance to the date at all? Nope. September 11th? Oh, f yeah. <laughs> today, special day today? It's Friday. It's Friday? Yeah. No significance to the date today? Uh, I'm a Muslim, so you know it's 
Juma, Juma pray, Friday pray today. What date is today? Today's Friday. Any significance to the date of today? 9-11? Yes, sir. It's Friday. Any significance to the date today? Um, I might have to see. The, the 10th. It's the 11th. The 11th. See, see, I, it's Corona, man. We don't, well, this has been all, it's been Saturday all summer, man. So we, I've been chilling all summer. Huh? If they know the significance of today? Significance of today? The coronavirus has gone up. The coronavirus is going up? Yeah. Today they are to over 200. I don't. You don't know what today is? No. No significance to the date at all? Not that I know of. Do you know what the date is today? Yes, the, 10th, the 11th of September. No significance? Okay, you're going okay, you to want to look that up. All right. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Significance? What day is it? I don't know, Friday. Friday, that's Friday. it? What's the date? It's Friday. What's the date? The 11th. Okay, nothing about it? Nothing special about it? No. All right. Uh, remember what happened that day? Remember what year it was? 2011. Uh, yeah, I remember. The World Trade Center, the Ground Zero, all that stuff. Terrible thing happened. We're just asking people if they know the significance of today? Yes, I do. And what is that? It's September 11th. 19 years ago. Yes, sir. Um, what do we think about it? Where were we? Um, who were the good guys? Who were the bad guys? No comment on that. Who do we think was the perpetrators? Who were the good guys? Who were the bad guys? You want to give your opinion on that? No, I don't want to give my opinion on that. Uh, I mean, like, there's a lot of difference. There's, like, uh, a lot of conspiracy theories that come with it. Um, I personally believe it was, like, an inside job. I don't think it was, like, a, like a terrorist uh, action, but who knows? You know, I don't want to. It's a mixed bag, isn't it? It's the 19th anniversary of the day. Generation Z grew up without even a memory of the moment. I fear that they have not been taught that day's meaning or the importance of believing in freedom and fighting for it. They're even afraid to say who the bad guys are. They're afraid to say that our enemies are real and they hate us and that our enemies are at war with us even if we don't admit they're our enemies, even if we convince ourselves that our enemies love us and that maybe we should love them too. I think things are worse now on average. This isn't about Trump, but I fear that without him, We'll make many more mistakes again and worse. Welcome back. Well, you may not know this, and our next guest may not know this, but he is responsible in some ways for the success of Rebel News because when I was at Sun News Network, I watched Phelan McAleer, our next guest, and his wife, Anne McElhenney, crowdfund an entire Hollywood-quality $2 million production for a movie uh, called God's Nell, the untold story of America's most prol prolific serial killer. I had seen Phelan and Anne make the great movie Fracknation through crowdfunding, but to see that an independent, conservative-leaning filmmaker could ignore the establishment and raise $2 million online to make such a high-quality production, I didn't think it was possible. But that was the role model, the template, upon which Rebel News was born. Crowdfunding based on passionate supporters ignoring the establishment. 
I don't think he knows that, but through his inspiration, yeah. Phelan McAleer helped give birth to Rebel News, in a way. Well, Phelan has another great initiative about, and we always like to talk about them, and we always like to encourage our Canadian viewers to support them. This one is very timely, and I'll let Phelan himself tell us about it. It's called Obamagate, the movie, and he joins us now via Skype from Hollywood. Phelan, great to see you again. You really are a role model for independent journalists like ourselves. Tell us about your next project. Well, yeah, well, thank you for, for those kind words, Rebel, uh, Ezra. I mean, the Rebel media has, has really, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at your journalism. It, it, it's wonderful, and I'm, I'm glad that I paid a small part in it. So our, our project is the Obamagate movie. Um, so as you know, we did FBI Lovebirds, uh, which which was a verbatim, a, a verbatim play about the text messages of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the FBI lovebirds, who were plotting to, to destroy the Trump candidacy and the Trump presidency. Well, it's since emerged that so was everyone else. So was James Comey. Same, so was James Brennan. Uh, they were, and they were going to destroy it by any means necessary, by prosecuting Flynn, uh, by producing fake warrants, fake information, fraudulent information to investigate the Trump campaign team. And this is all there in the documents. Um, and some of it is so pompous and so illegal, it is almost funny. Uh, and it is funny. And when you've got these great actors uh, reading, the, you know, acting out what was going on behind closed doors, it's a, it's a tragic comedy. Now, you've really popularized what you call verbatim theater. I know you've done that, if I'm not mistaken, with the Trayvon um, uh, um, controversy, people just reading court testimony. And I remember in one case, the actors themselves rebelled because they couldn't even believe the facts that they were reading. But when yeah. you read primary documents, there's no he said, she said, that's not how it was. You are reading the historical record. The fact that your verbatim theater is so successful tells me that the world has been lied to by the mainstream media since it should not be shocking to read the text messages between these FBI lovebirds. It should not be shocking to read the memos by James Comey and James Brennan, but it is simply because we haven't been shown it by the mainstream yeah. media. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I always say, thank God the mainstream media is so biased uh, and so bad because I would be out of work. I mean, I'm looking forward to the day I'm out of work. I'm back where I was in a newsroom writing stories, uh, but they will not cover the truth. I mean, nine of the actors, it was it was the Ferguson shooting. So I took the grand jury testimony from Ferguson and, and, and had actors reenact what the witness said. Nine of the actors walked out. In some ways, it's not their fault. They were told a lie, and when the truth hit them, they couldn't handle it. And this is what's wrong. This is this is the truth is shocking when you see. And I, I, Peter Strzok has a new book out now, the FBI lovebird Peter Strzok, and in it, you know, every time it's it's reviewed favorably, they talk about his anti-Trump texts. These are not anti-Trump texts. These are not Trump orange man bad. These are plans and conspiracies. 
by the upper echelons of the FBI to under to investigate and undermine the Trump candidacy and the Trump presidency on fake dossiers and on fake information to get FISA warrants. The warrants that are supposed to be so hard to get, they just simply made it up because they didn't want Trump to be elected. They're anti-democratic. And this is what annoys people so much. This is what, and you should, I mean, when we did FBI lovebirds in DC, you should have seen the response of the audience. They, they, were, they couldn't believe the truth was there in front of them. Huh. And they loved it. They added up. Huh. Well, I'm very excited about this. Dean Kane. Yeah. I first uh, watched him when he was playing Superman. That was years ago. Um, he's an A-list actor. I'm very impressed with the actors you've been able to put together because it's hard to have anything close to pro-Trump, let alone, f I mean, even just being fair to Trump gets you blacklisted in Hollywood, let alone doing anything supportive of him. Between you, Mel Gibson and Clint Eastwood, I think I've just named the three working directors in Hollywood yeah. that aren't Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden campaign staffers. It's got to yeah. be tough for a guy like Dean Cain to hang out with you and hang out with a project like this. Well, Dean, Dean's a very special person. And uh, he, you know, he, he loves playing Peter Strzok. And he, he loves telling the truth. And, uh, you know, Actually, we just released a video of Dean explaining why he why he's taking part in this, and you can see it at ObamaGateMovie.com. But you know, he 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 just feels it's important. Uh, and we have I mean, some people may remember jo uh, Jeff Colby, the character Jeff Colby from Dynasty um, back in the eighties. Uh, he's he's going to play James Comey uh, oh. at his most pretentious and pompous best. And uh, you know, it's great that there are courageous actors there. Of course, there are cowardly actors too. Nine of them walked out during Ferguson. And when we had Ferguson on in New York, one of them decided to give a speech from the stage. I mean, these are these are misled people or bad people. Uh, there are some great people as well. But it's important that this truth gets out there. It's And, you know, mainstream... So the mainstream media, Peter Strzok has a book out spending millions uh, marketing it. The Comey Rule, a Showtime miniseries, is coming out at the end of September. Huh. They spent forty million making it, huh. four zero, and they're spending another forty million uh, marketing it. And you know, we're going to make this movie for one hundred and fifty thousand. Huh. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it Hamilton style. Hamilton, you know, they uh, they, they performed Hamilton over a day, a couple of days, and filmed different versions of it and released. And it's going to be. A stage, you know, a stage, a film play, but it's going to be close-ups with action and that. So it's going to be a, a hybrid of the two. It's going to be a very entertaining way of getting the truth out. And don't forget, it's all verbatim. That's very exciting. You know, when you, I have seen uh, tra trailers, promotional videos for this movie, um, or the miniseries, The Comey Rule. It's yeah. beautifully done, extremely high production values, forty million to make it, forty million to produce it. That's the kind of budget you'd expect for a 007 movie, uh, you know, for a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Um, the fact that they're spending it on political propaganda in the weeks before uh, U.S. presidential election tells you all you need to know. And so there's that, and then there's the, you know, the Netflix deal with the Obamas. <clears throat> the entire Hollywood media establishment, we're not even talking millions anymore. We're into the billions being thrown against yes. Trump, yeah. and there you are. Let's talk about how you're going to get your dough. I mean, Dean Cain, I'm sure he's not charging his full 
rate, but he's got to be paid and the technical staff have to be paid and yep. they have to edit the thing. How much money are you looking to crowdfund to go up against the $80 million HBO propaganda? How much money are you looking for? Well, we're looking for 150000 which is a, a lot less. And, uh, you know, it's been great. not million. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just to make, you know, if we were talking about Obama or, uh, you know, oh, yeah. um, Meghan Markle, we'd be in yes, millions. Right. But you're, it's $155,000. That sounds doable. You're crowdfunding yeah. that at, let me just make sure I got this right, obamagatemovie.com? Yeah, and I mean, we only announced it yesterday and we're already 18% funded. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you know, so the, there is a hunger out there for the truth, but as you say, if you were the, uh, Harry and Meghan promising to produce woke material or the Obamas, I mean, the Obamas got something like, uh, you know, 112,000 from, 112 million from Spotify and, I mean, for their podcasts and, and so much from the, for their for their. Uh, documentaries that are propaganda. I mean, this is the thing. Uh, liberals spend billions every year producing propaganda. Conservatives spend 500 million every year, uh, every four years in election ads and think, think they're winning. You know, it, it's not a fair match. They, they, they are competing every day. And, you know, I've got my, you know, I, but I need this 150,000 to try and level the playing field. And by the way, the truth is much more compelling than their fiction. Yeah, so, the truth. You know, you know um, the late Andrew Breitbart, who really started dissident journalism more than a decade ago, he always said, politics is downstream from culture. And I think one of the meanings of that is you can't lose the battle every single night on Netflix, HBO, Showcase, Crave, whatever the channels are, YouTube, and then expect yeah. to win it in yeah. you know a few months right before an election yeah. culture has shaped people's minds on these issues for four years saturday night live i mean i don't think they do a good job but every every saturday for four years they've been beating up trump that's the culture you can't beat yeah. that with a quick campaign ad movies plays documentaries the work you do felon is part of the fight back we have helped before we promoted, I remember the Gosnell film, your film Frack Nation was a real inspiration to me too. I would like to, I mean, we're Canadian, so you know, we're not, Canadians don't make donations to presidential campaigns, but Canadians can help produce a movie that mm -hmm. counters the propaganda. And I know we ask our people to crowdfund a lot, but I would like to encourage our Canadians to go to obamagatemovie.com, not just for that movie, but for Phelan McAleer and Anne McElhinney, who I say again, you can count on one hand's fingers the number of people in Hollywood on our side. And I can only imagine the peer pressure and the shunning and the cancel culture and the deplatforming. I mean, we heard that nine of the actors in their Ferguson play just simply mutinied. So just out of moral support for Phelan and Anne, I'm going to go as soon as I'm out of the studio here. I'm going to go to my laptop and make a personal donation, Phelan. I wish you good luck. Well, thank you. When's the movie coming out and it's on YouTube? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, we're going to release it free on YouTube so everyone can see it. It's going to come out uh, at the, around the same time as the Comey Rule. The Comey Rule is coming out the 27th and 28th of September. By the way, I've seen it. It's awful, huh. but, it's effect, but it's propaganda. Um, and it's coming out at the end of the month, and we're, our film is going to be coming out at the end of the month too. We're going to, you know, ride on the same uh, on the same advertising, try and try and try and piggyback on their publicity. Well, that's great. I tell you, Felum, if we had ten Felums 
we could really turn things around. Yeah. We have one, and that's still pretty great. Well, thank you, Ezra. You know, I, I'm a great admirer of everything Rebel News does. You've had more report reporters arrested than I've had hot dinners, and that's a good thing. <laughs> well, these days, these days, that is a feather in our cap. I wouldn't have said so uh, five years ago, but these days. All right, fellow, we'll let you go. you got a lot of work going on. You're producing stuff all the time. Uh, I'm going to go, and I'm going to make a personal donation this very moment. Thanks, Ezra. Really appreciate it. All right, it. take and care, my friends. Your, Once again, your... that's ObamaGateMovie.com. I know we ask you to support a lot of things in Canada, but would you agree with me that supporting Phelim and Ann in their Hollywood campaigns for the truth is very important? Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back on my monologue last night. Robert writes... Trudeau is openly flaunting his dictatorship to the Canadian citizens as he feels he is invincible. I stopped being a proud Canadian the day that Justin Trudeau took power. I don't think that's the right approach. Canada is bigger than just who the Prime Minister is. I don't think you should be unproud of Canada because you despise Justin Trudeau. I just think that's the wrong stance. Bruce writes, the whole pack of Lebranos are more crooked than a strand of DNA. And like the crime bosses, they act like they want competition like True North and Rebel News eliminated. Oh, I think so. And I think it's smarter for them to do it through deals with Facebook, YouTube, Google, Twitter than through prosecutions. On the UK's rule of six, HKM writes, so what do they do if you've got six kids? Three of the kids get kicked to the curb. Oh, it doesn't even, if you have six kids, you're not even allowed to meet your grandparents. You're just not even allowed to. Because that's what science says. It's ridiculous. Well, that's the show for you today. What a busy week it's been. I can tell you in advance, next week is going to be just as busy. I know a few stories we're going to break. We're working on over the weekend. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom.